Right, hello, this is your uh, Liverpool FC podcast uh, with Andy Kelly and today we've done something a bit different, we've actually made an effort and we've come a massive distance of 100 yards out of the Echo offices over to the Cross Keys, so if you hear anyone shouting for glasses or, uh, or, or retching in the corner, it's because we've come to the Boozer. I'm joined by Christian Wells, by Neil Jones, by Dan Kay. Uh, the transfer uh, window is shut uh, and we're here to talk about all things Liverpool after last weekend's results and uh, where we stand after the shutting of the window. Neil, I'll start with you, mate. The, um, a lot of panic, it seemed, around after what was obviously a very bad result on Saturday. Are people right to be panicking? Um, are people right to be panicking? No, it's, you're never right to panic about football. I, uh, you, know, you should never, never um, you should always retain a sense of perspective in some, in some areas. That said, it was it was shocking. It was it was a terrible performance. It was a terrible result, and it was a, a weekend spoiling, uh, or in fact, it's a two weekend spoiling um, result as well. Because obviously, there's no game this week, so you can see why fans would be concerned. You can see why they would have big worries about certain areas of the team, of the squad, of the manager, of the players. But you have to take it in, in, in a wider context. It's it's one result, and one one defeat doesn't make Liverpool relegation candidates any more than one well-earned win or well-earned draw makes them title contenders Christian who I do have to owe everybody as having bought a bottle of water in the boozer but uh, we'll forgive him um, there's been an awful lot of vitriol around uh, particularly towards the manager after that result after what had been a reasonable start do you think that the, the absence of a game to get stuck back into is one of the things that Worryingly, could let that fester for for a week or two. Yeah, most definitely. I think that the the the, the people who have come out on mass and slated the manager are, are, the, are the people who've been waiting for it to happen from game one. You know, no doubt the the, the fingers and the pens were poised at the game of Stoke before Coutinho scored a, a wonder goal. You know, and uh, and according to their logic, that 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 game didn't count because it was only a wonder goal. And then you look at the Bournemouth game, that didn't count because it was an offside goal. And then you look at the Arsenal game and, you know, even those who were anti-Rodgers were, were, were happy with that result. It's a problem two weeks now for Rodgers to wait because, as you say, it, it can fester. And especially in this age of, you know, social media and, and whatnot. Look, every, everyone's view is valid. Everyone's opinion is, is, is true, I'm sure. But there's that desire to, to shout it as loud as you can and, and, and to be the ones to, to make to make that call if you will and that desire will have two weeks basically to to spill over uh, you know don't get me wrong it was an awful result uh, three at home it's it's only the second time I think in Premier League history they've lost by more than three goals at home or three goals or more at home but um, I was very surprised by the reaction and the vitriol towards the manager and the players to be honest and at the end of the day, it's it is the worst possible time because you always want to go in with a good result into the uh, international break. As it is, a lot of people will will mull over that, and um, we'll, we'll see the West Ham game as confirmation of what they thought they knew over the summer. Damn, Christian's right. We d- we do have to be careful. People who are critical of, of the team and the manager generally don't do it for any other reason than that they care passionately about the team and the club and, and you know to, about who manages the team and you know it's a, it's an absolute falsehood to think that you know you, the only way of 
of loving the team is to be absolutely behind everyone 100% there if you believe a change would actually benefit in the long term you were in your normal season ticket up centenary on Saturday what was the view of the fans around you up there I think there was just a general feeling of uh, close to despair for a lot of people while at the same time trying to tailor that with the fact with the knowledge that it's only the fourth game of the season and until up to three o'clock on Saturday, I think generally people were quite quite cheerful and quite happy with how things are going. I think it was the nature of the performance and the nature of the defeats that people found so upsetting. I mean, <clears throat> teams lose football matches. We've all we all know that. We're all aware of that. That's that's par for the course. That comes with the territory. But I think what what was one of the real most hard hitting parts of last season was the fact that there seems to be so little backbone or spirit or determination about the teams in games when they went behind I think I think we've only won one game having from a losing position since the start of last season Leicester away yeah. halfway yeah. through last season um, now we are in the past under Julio particularly under Benitez there would be numerous occasions where they could go a goal down two goals down sometimes and you could always feel well we've got a way back in don't give up there's still a way back into this it does it does unfortunately seems to be the case a lot of the time that if they go a goal down there's no plan B, and they just keep doing the things that aren't working, that that haven't been working um, previously. Now, there's you know there'll be there'll be ample opportunities over the over the coming weeks and, and months, hopefully, for this team to prove that that's not the case. But I think where where why emotions were so strong after Saturday was because the first four games, even though it's been far from vintage flowing football, there seemed to be that kind of grit and determination in all three of the games when they didn't play particularly well in any of them to get the result done alright they, they conceded a goal after two minutes on Saturday but they still had 88 minutes to turn it round and in all likelihood that never really looked possible and, and speaking I think a lot of people felt that um, there, were, there, was, there were a lot of really chilling similarities last season between Hule's last year Benitez's last year and there were, there were an awful lot of them last year and, and at the end of the season after the Stoke de Arkle, and probably before then I myself felt that it was it was over for Brendan the summer went on it, it, it turned out he was staying and, and probably like a lot of people I kind of got myself on board with that and thought well you know you've got to I'm going to try and look at things as glass half full and I've really sensed a lot of that from our fans over the last couple of weeks and since the season started Saturday, unfortunately, I think saw an awful lot of that drain away just because of the nature of the defeat. And that's going to be the major test for the manager now to get people believing again. I, th- I think, you know, despite what I said before about maybe it's a bit of an overreaction, a bit unfair, I do think what plays into the, into the, into the disappointments is that it is all the same problems as last season from, from, what, it, from what it seems. It's, it's not as if it was a lucky breakaway goal or whatnot. It seemed that it was a, a, a performance... And, and the goals that were conceded were all born out of problems that were there last year. And if it, either if it was on the training pitch or on in the transfer market, Rodgers and, and the club would have been expected to fix that this season. Obviously, it's a one-off. It's, a, it's only one game, and it remains to be seen how Liverpool go on United onwards. But it's, I suppose it's a little bit concerning for Liverpool fans that it's the same sort of problems. Again, the Lovren issue and and the centre-backs don't seem to be communicating well and the midfield seems to be getting run through a little bit too easily. Striker so, isolated. 
once again. So it, 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 that is, you know, it is cause for concern, no doubt. John, do you just wanted to pick up one point from what Dan said there. Is, it, is he, and you came up with a great stat in the office before about you know, the home fortress and everything you can share on here, but, but you know, does this Brendan Rodgers team, when it loses, does it lose in a particularly sort of abject, frustratingly non-fighting type way, which is what seems to be a lot of everyone's concern? Yeah, was, there was a... The start out, you, you're referring to there, was Liverpool in the 1970s lost nine home league games in the whole decade. Um, you know, that... You would, you would not be surprised if Liverpool lost that in two seasons' worth or probably one season's worth, really, if, if you're being... You know, particularly particularly harsh. Um, another another one that I I always remember from from the um, the the Rogers the Rogers one is they, they just they just don't seem to have they don't seem to have the right kind of fighting spirit. Last season I think they had three players can come off the bench and get sent off. I think Markovic, Barini, and Gerard were sent off. Ten minutes into the second half this this week. Coutinho gets sent off, and I do think I think there's a, a misconception of what a fighting what a fighting performance is, and they think you've got to go and smash someone, you've got to go and put a big tackle, and you've got to go and you know rough up their star man or whatever. It's not that. It's about bravery in football. It's different to, to that. I, I I play Sunday league, you know, and I, I'm always going on and on about these these mouths who go on and on and say you've got to want it, you've got to want it. It's not that. You've got to want the ball. You've got to want the ball. You've got to play your own game and you've got to be confident enough to do it no matter what the circumstances are. And I don't think Liverpool have it. I think Liverpool lose their heads. I think they, I think they, they start thinking that we're getting beat 1-0. We're all, in, we're all in desperate trouble here and, and we've, you know, we've only got 88 minutes to save it. You know, I remember against Basel last year and they were 1-0 down at half-time. Oh, sorry, 25, 30 minutes in. And you thought... They're not, they can't. They can't get this back. They can't. They, they can't. They, they haven't got the composure. They don't have the the authority and the in, or the belief in themselves. To do it. Even the good players. And I think there's too much of that. And you have to say that comes back to the manager. He's got to install that in them. He's got to buy the right players who have that and give them the confidence that he can do that. And I don't think at the moment when when things go a bit a bit wrong, I don't think they've got it. I mean, you saw it at Stoke. What was it? Five goals in 20, 22 minutes at Stoke. You know that. That doesn't happen to, to, to good sides. I mean, Dan, we do hear it from Brendan Rodgers. I've, I've heard him speak many times about, um, you know, courage and possession and, and having that, that poise. Is a thing that's always bothered me over the last, not just the, you know, maybe the last two, three years, is that having poise on the, on, on the ball. And one of the things I loved about John Flanagan when he came into the team was that he was somebody who was prepared to, you know, Try and find a pass, and you know, have a little bit of courage in possession, and 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 and, and find a man. And you know, we we should, we, you know, there's no reason we have good enough players where they should be able to. Show. Is it is it a mental thing? I think it almost certainly is a mental thing, and I'd agree with what Neil said there about courage in football taking on various different forms. I mean, obviously, putting good tackles in and being up for the physical battle is a is a key element for any team. Just going back to Chelsea in the title season, the game Gerard slips. Yeah. And I remember, I remember Gary Neville and Carragher analysing it. He said four minutes added on at the end, and it's Mount, Gary Neville said it's mountains of time. If you if you've got the ball, it's mountains of time to get your chance. And what do Liverpool do? They play a short corner, they try and blast the ball from outside the box. That that's yeah. that's. Even going back to them when he was doing well, that's still. Well, you used to do when you used to hate watching those United teams and Neville in it when it got to however much Fergie time there yeah. was. They, they wouldn't create one chance in injury time. There'd be like three or four yeah. where you'd be on the sofa 
you know, but praying they didn't score. Is that just a mark of successful teams, though? Teams that have such resolute belief in themselves that they never get in? Because that's what people always used to say about us in the 70s and 80s. L- lucky Liverpool and their jammy late goals. But it's not jammy if you keep going and you've got that utter belief that your chance will come and, the, and that you're good enough to take it when it does. Just to go back to that point about bravery, though, yeah, the physical side of the game is enormously important, and you know, I still feel that we're kind of lacking physical presence in midfield, but that's another another issue. The, the, I think the point you're making is that it's being brave enough to still want the ball, but also as well to still keep trying things. You, you know, I always think back to Luis Garcia, who the first couple of months I wasn't massively impressed with him at all, but one thing that part of the process that helped me warm towards him and really started to appreciate him as a, as a player was that he might have been not having the best of games he might not have the best of games he might have given it away two or three times the crowd might be starting to get on his back but he would always be prepared to still keep trying the flicks the layoffs the turns in the belief that it only takes one or two of them to come off you score a goal you create a chance and the game changes Danny Murphy a little bit like that as well Danny yeah, Murphy yeah. wanted to try from outside the box and things like that and at the moment we have had players in the past I mean without, I don't like scapegoats but I know I'm rated him massively at the start but Heskey Emil Heskey became one of those kind of players to me he keep, he tried things at the start but if one or two things went to right he'd treat into his shell and hide a little bit and just play the percentages do this the safe easy thing and I think at the minute we've got too many players like that if the things they're trying don't come off straight away they'll just retreat into their shell a little bit and we've got to be braver well we've highlighted some of the concerns about the squad there we now know as of yesterday what the squad is definitively going forward Christian um, and you know Let's be positive for us for a second here. You know, we, we, we probably are where we thought we would be in the league. We probably thought we'd beat Bournemouth at home, we'd beat um, West Ham at home, we'd probably get, hopefully get a point at Stoke and might lose at Arsenal. We've got our seven points, so it's a nice. While the international break isn't perfect in terms of going into it and a loss and everything else, it's maybe a, a reasonable time to reassess where we are, especially with the closing of the window. Most of what we did this summer seemed to address some key issues which we had not all of them and we'll talk about them but you know in terms of a summer transfer window how, how did you rate it in terms of the players we got I thought it was uh, I thought it was very good for Liverpool I thought they they got it done early which was important I, I think the other thing was that they got the players that they wanted and there was no scrambling around in the middle of August for, for, for strikers that you know were falling through and therefore you're ending with a player like Balotelli that you know the manager isn't sold on and um I think, in general, they ticked every box that needs to be ticked in terms of absolute necessity. They needed goals, and in theory, they brought it in with Benteke, Ings and Origi. They needed a, if you want to put it in that box, a Gerard replacement. They've sort of done that with Milner in terms of leadership and what he brings and the experience. They needed full-backs. They've got one in the final Klein who looks steel already. And in Joe Gomez, who's a, who's, a, who's a really good bonus, if you will, because no one really expects him to, to do what he's done already, unless, you know, apart from maybe Gomez himself, because um, he seems a very confident young man, and um, and the backup goalkeeper as well. I, I suppose the problem comes is, is when you look at the size of the squad in general, and people say, could they have done with another defender? After all, these four centre-backs are the same four centre-backs that crumbled so badly over various points of last season you know Torres a year older Lovren is is, is Dejan Lovren he is what he is you know he can be great sometimes but he struggles with consistency Martin Skirtle new contract but is he is he is he the top class centre back a team pushing for the top four needs and you've also got Mamadou Sakho who's sort of the, uh, the enigma around it all so 
could they have brought another one in? Possibly there, and, and you know, again, possibly in midfield. I wouldn't personally, but I can see why people are maybe arguing that they need a bit more steel and a bit more grit in that midfield. I think overall, and you look at the net spend of was it 25 million ish? 21, once you include loan fees. Once you include loan fees, I think they've done very well. And what's important, I think, for, to remember is that last year was was such a was such a poor year in terms of transfers this is not the season where the magic wand will be waved and it'll all be better this is sort of the first stage of, of the new Liverpool of the new tran- of the new transition and for some that'll that will frustrate and rightfully so because you know Liverpool will be waiting God knows how long for, for success especially in the league do, you, do we all need to sort of take a reality check and realise that you know, I think at Stoke, I think there was five players or maybe six who started the, the last game of last season. You know, it is a team that's much changed. They do need time to gel. Um, we saw definitely some things that haven't been sorted on Saturday. I thought um, the left back position. We we know Joe Gomez is a good player. He's already shown us that. But where um, West Ham were able to close the space between the lines, that leaves you. You desperately need some width, and we we didn't have that on Saturday. No, definitely. Um spot on I mean, we spoke about it on the day I think we certainly spoke about it since that they didn't have a left foot in the side for the start of Liverpool so there was not one you know obviously Moreno came on at half time but West Ham played James Tompkins as a right back and, and basically a centre back playing at right back because they knew that Benteke is an aerial threat so they, they knew that Tompkins would be free to help out in that scenario without worrying about being roasted on his outside by a left foot who's going to get down the line i.e. Moreno um, it was, hindsight's perfect isn't it hindsight's won every league title every Ballon d'Or every World Cup but that did seem a bit obvious at the time that Liverpool might struggle in that area if they didn't get the first goal of the game which which, as it turned out it happened um, I, I, I look at the transfer business and I said they haven't bought a bad player I don't, I don't think any of the signings are bad signings have they made enough you could make a point that they have because you saw what happened last year when they made nine and tried to put them all sort of into the squad at the same time and it didn't work and I think you can only say maybe one two of them are qualified successes Um, I think where Liverpool have sort of maybe left themselves open to criticism is in the players they've let go I think the likes of Markovic just to be discarded after a year and sort of let go. You know, Thiago Alloria, a player who, you know, kind of, we haven't seen much on, but a big reputation get let go. Um, I think you can sort of make a case that they might have been given a bit more time. You could have made a case, I think, for a centre-back, but if you look at it objectively, you'd say it was absurd for Liverpool to sign a centre-back this summer, having spent £20 million on one last summer, it's 18 the previous summer, and then given a five-year contract to Martin Skirtle, so it's 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 shades of grey. But there's just seven million. Well, there's this bizarre situation with the centre halves though, where the crowd love one of them and the manager doesn't seem to fancy him, and the crowd seems to have a real problem with the other one, and the manager's intent on making him start in the centre half. I mean, it's, it's I don't really understand where this massive schism comes from, Dan, in terms of how the fans and the manager rate the players. Well, or is the schism there between? The the players who the managers picked and the players who this transfer committee has picked, because there, there is there does seem to be a perception that players like Markovic, like Balotelli, like Sacco, who have come, who have been the transfer committee's picks rather than his own, have only ever really been given 
scant opportunity really to prove their worth. I think that's possibly why the crowd's patience is so thin with some of the other players when it's people like Lovren who have been given numerous chances and clearly are the manager's pick. When he keeps making the same kind of mistakes, that that anger is then going to be projected from the player onto the manager, uh, which I think is what's happening. So, to, to give the old answer point, would you not say if a manager like Brendan Rodgers is in a position where his job is on the line this season, he would rather live or die by the players he has chosen rather than the players that someone above him has chosen? So if, if he was yeah. to fail with Lazar Markovic and Mamadou Saka, who he didn't really rate, at the end of it, he would be thinking, surely, I should have trusted my own judgment yeah. and the, the players that I play. You know? And if that's the way he's going, then, you, then you've got to give him the courage of his yeah. convictions because you know, at least he's going to be true to the players that he believes in. I mean, ultimately, there's got to be a happy medium, though. The, the reality is, in the, in the modern game, managers will sometimes be given their head to buy the players they want, but a lot of times, because I think, and particularly on the continent, where the turnover of managers is even higher than it is here. It's been the case, I think, for probably 10, 15 years, years now that you have clubs and chairmen and directors buying players rather than managers. And there's got to be a pra- the manager has to take a pragmatic approach to that. I don't think that's a problem in, in general, but you know, if that is the case in Liverpool, the, the, the problem is that it seems like it's two contrasting ideologies. Mm-hmm. Two different types of player, two different types of playing style, and uh, you know. So, so when you mix and match, and you're getting a mix and match squad uh, that hasn't got any real cohesion and doesn't, re- and, and not all of them are able to carry out what the manager wants them to do. I mean, I, I, th- I thought the I, I thought the reaction to the whole Markovic Alori thing was incredible, really. And I sort of go down the middle on this. I can understand those who were very disappointed that uh, Lazar Markovic was allowed to go to uh, Turkey. I think we'd seen enough of him to suggest we know there's a really classy player in there. And for me, he was in most people's uh, Europa League squad and I I thought that he could actually, you know, get over sort of what seemed to be the sort of um, nervousness almost of him on the pitch uh, and actually give him a chance to shine. Um, The Allure one, I think, uh, the reaction to that has astonished me, if I'm honest, because um, we... Two parts, really. I think I understand the bit where people are infuriated that he's never been given a, a chance to play. Yeah. I can understand that, but you have people talking him up as this fantastic centre half, and we none of us, and I'm absolutely convinced of this, have seen enough of him to know how good a centre half he is. And you know, they, they, you know, we've seen him playing in the under 21 European Championships where he was decent. And he's played a couple of games for the under-21s, in fact one of them just a half, where you know, he barely, it was against Everton and he barely had a ball to kick. And uh, then he was at fault for one of Reading's goals uh, in his next game. Now, um, that doesn't, I would, abs- I would put my absolute house on the fact that Dejan Lovren is a stronger, better centre-half than Thiago Alori is at this stage. Yet there's a tremendous number of people believe the manager's decision to let Alori go, essentially, albeit loan but with a chance to buy for Villa, is a sacking offence. Now, you know, whatever you think of Brendan Rodgers, the Thiago Alori decision cannot be be the, the, the way to judge him. It can be a judgment on you know two or three years ago's transfer dealings and and where we were and spending seven million pounds on getting them but it can't be a judgment on where we are now if, if Brendan Rodgers really thought he could help his team surely he'd be the first man to put him in put him in the side I, I think the extreme reaction to to Alori, to Alori's move 
is, is primarily based on the current problems at centre-back. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've never seen a Laurie play, so I don't know if he's any good. But Liverpool have had a soft centre at the back for quite some time. And when you saw what happened on Saturday, Dejan Lovren, as Christian said, is Dejan Lovren. And I think that's the kindest, simplest way of putting it. But one of, one of, the, one of you guys mentioned just before about Skirtle, who's been at the club seven, eight years now and still to me you know, he's at the point of his career now where he should be well he is a senior player but he should be by default almost vice-captain I'm knocking on the door for the main captain's armband but, but for me the reason why his name has never never to my knowledge been spoken of in those circles is because he's never really displayed any kind of real leadership qualities he's had good seasons he's not a bad player he's been a, a good servant to Liverpool but after this far down the road, the fact to me he always seems like he needs a leader alongside him, and at a time when Rodgers really should be looking for him to be the leader. Well, that's why Lovren, for all intents and purposes, was brought in as that leader. Exactly. Now, what happened there, I don't know. Maybe it's acclimatisation. We should say that you know, since he's come back, Lovren's had a couple of decent games, and had obviously had his nightmare in front of the of the cops. I mean. You've got to, you can talk about display leadership, I think it won't be a popular thing that I'm going to say, but Dejan Lovren faced up to the media after that yeah. game. Yeah, I thought he walked. I was in the press box and I looked down to see James Pierce, the, the, the very popular, very <laughs> loving James Pierce, um, talking to someone, you know, who's that? Oh my God, it's Dejan Lovren, you know, after that. Fair play to him. You just, the, the worry is. When's it, does it surprise you when any Liverpool give a goal away like that? Does it really surprise you? Do you think, oh, that, I didn't see that coming? You know, they had three clean sheets in a row. They give a goal away like that, and you thought, yeah, that's what Liverpool usually do, isn't it? You know, so. What, what Rodgers did in 2014, 13-14, sorry, was basically craft a Liverpool goal. Liverpool has scored a goal, and as Neil says, it'd be that sort of, well, that's how Liverpool score goals. Now it's the reverse. They can see goals, and you go, that's how Liverpool can see goals. Signature it's, goal. it's, 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 just, it's just the archetypal goal Liverpool can see. Rodgers must reverse that. Right, OK, we've got to reverse it. We've got to start that reversal down the road <laughs> with our favourite friend. And um, you know, it's it, it, it's a massive game to come back into. It's a massive game for both teams because you know we saw Swansea do what Swansea do to United and beat him again. And um, you know, it was one of those really weird game because United were sort of dead comfortable, scored the goal, and you thought, yeah, they'll cruise this in. And then as soon as they lost the goal, they completely showed that lack of poise that we were talking about earlier. Now, the question at Old Trafford is. You know, solid Emirates-esque um, practicality, or you know, in the, especially in the absence of Coutinho, do we go? Let's play two up front. Their weaknesses at the back. Let's go and try and attack them. Dan, you'll probably be heading down the road. What What would you like to see the manager do? I'll be there, um, and I will be. I hope Liverpool are there as well. I hope we turn up because we obviously didn't last season. The season before we massively did. I think it's got to be a little bit somewhere between the two scenarios that you painted out there. You can't go wide open and play play wide open and get beat five nil um, because they've obviously got some very good players. They always fancy themselves at home against us. But 
you know, I, I've got fr- friends and family who, who are United supporters, and you know, there's still very much a feeling that the jury is massively still out for Van Gaal, and a lot of the things that we're saying, the familiar failings that we were raising our eyebrows at on Saturday, a lot of them were doing the same on Sunday. So I do think there's a vulnerability there, and while you know, I, I would I would hope to see some of the same resoluteness, resoluteness, and solidity that we saw at the Emirates. I, I'm very, I'm kind of a believer that it's almost futile to try. You know, right, we've got a nil-nil at Arsenal. I can't see us getting a nil-nil there. We almost have to resign ourselves to the fact that, all right, they might get one or two. Let's go and make sure we get two or three. Neil, you, you can tell Dan's had a drink admitting friends and family. We won't become the pub next week. But um, <laughs> I, I was, I was thinking it's a massive game for Roberto Firmino. I was thinking because yeah. we, we won't have Coutinho, so we're gonna. He, He's going to be able to play him exactly where Firmino wants to be played. Um, and I have to say, I'm still massively confused about this man. I was walking around the office yesterday expressing my confusion. Who, who, who is Roberto Firmino? I was my line. lucky to be subbed on Saturday. I, I, I'm still just not quite sure what his game is. And it, 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 it frustrates me that, you know, a few games... I know he was a sub for a couple of games, but I still don't know quite where he fits in. And opposite him at Old Trafford, going to be the man who we tried to sign instead of him in, in Memphis Depay. And I have to say, every time I see Depay, I get more and more upset that United have got themselves a good player. Um, where, where do you see Firmino at the moment? Well, you're right, it's a big game for him because you would assume, given Casino's absence and potentially Jordan Henderson's absence, if he doesn't recover from his injury, you would imagine he's going to be the lead in terms of creating chances, in terms of sort of linking between the midfield and the attack. I don't think he's done that well enough in the two games he's he's done so far, the two games he started so far. Um, he's, got, he's obviously got a work ethic, you can see that he, he wants to he wants to go and win the ball and, and sort of do things with it. It's a massive change, it's, it's massive, you know, the, the change from the change of pace, the change of sort of the crowd. The, the way the crowd treats players, you know, in terms of, you know, he might think he's doing exactly what his manager asks him if he stands off and sort of closes a passing angle, but the crowd wants to go and press and do this, so it can sort of get to players, you can see that. But I think um, a lot of it is, is, on, is on Liverpool's team. We've got injuries, got Benteke's out of a Belgian game on tomorrow, is it? Thursday, Friday? Thursday. Um, Henderson's obviously out of the England squad. Coutinho's suspended. Lallana. Lallana's still injured. And I think is an important player for this. I think, I think if Lallana's fit, Lallana should start at Old Trafford because he's a player who's got a little bit of nous and a little bit of... Um, Something that can do something. Uh, I'm going to sound silly now because he went off at half time last year and I thought he was Liverpool's best player in that first half. He was 2 0 down at half time and he took him off and went to the sort of, you know, went for the jugular with Balotelli, I think, come on. But I think Milan is an important player for Liverpool if, if they're playing well. Um, if you're asking me what I'd do, I disagree with that. I think Liverpool have got to go with it over, over my dead body, clean sheet. Um, nil nil. Nil nil's a, a victory for Liverpool, I think, at all traffic. Christian, I was wondering whether actually it might be to produce that sort of performance and of course that's where you'd want to but whether Liverpool will find it a bit easier playing away from home this season in terms of you don't have that sort of weird expectation from the crowd um, you can set yourself up you've got an away end that's 100% massively and vocally behind you which, 
we, aren't, we haven't massively been getting at Anfield. Let's, let's face, face you know, it was Kevin Friend who was the only man who could get the crowd going on Saturday. Um, you know, how do you fancy us over there? Well, first of all, I think it's worth saying that the Premier League in general aren't fairing very well at home at the minute, are they? No, so, it's a good point, nine, yeah. Nine home wins so far out of 40 games, which is just remarkable. Uh, I think it's, I think it's got to be tight. I'd, I'd side more with more with Neil on this one in terms of how it will pan out. I think he might pick, pick the same team. I mean, obviously injuries can happen, and whatnot. But similar teams to Arsenal, similar shapes, similar setup. At least you know you've got Lucas and Chan and Milman in that midfield who who won't give the likes of Herrera or Schneiderlin or Schweinsteiger or whoever they're going to pick any any real change. And then they'll look to, to, to use Firmino, Benteke and you know, possibly I, possibly Lallana on that, on that counter-attack. He talks about that, that those quarter blocks and this will be more of a, a free quarter block if you, if, if you see what I mean, which is a, a fancy way of saying basically seven men behind the ball and three looking to break. I think that's the way to, to exploit them. I mean, I, I think most of Liverpool's performances have come, good performances at Old Trafford have come when they've done well on the break. I think that's how you beat Man United even in this incarnation of the team. I think Swansea shows just just what you can do if you let them make the mistakes and then capitalise on them. And I think that's what Liverpool have got to do. Well, let's just hope all the Reds players come back from international duty injury-free and we clear up a couple of the other ones. Uh, this has been your LFC podcast. Hope it ties you over till United. And we better get out of here before Dan K wrecks the expenses budget. Cheers for listening. Ben jij prijsbewust? Nu extra MB's bij de Sony Xperia XA2. Voor 19,50 per maand, 300 minuten of sms'jes en 1500 MB internet tijdens de Ben Prijsbewust Week. Kijk op ben.nl. Let op, geld lenen kost geld.